welcome to the Burden and Blessing Podcast, a study and discussion forum on the truth of God's Word. Our Bible study series examines a specific part of God's Word of Truth. We pray that through this study, your faith will be built up and you will grow in your knowledge and understanding of God's Word through what you hear. Welcome to Burden Blessing Podcast. We continue to rejoice in studying God's Word. Today, we focus on our Bible study series. My name is Pastor Neil Radical, and with me today is Pastor Ben Libby. How are you doing today, Ben? I am doing wonderful. It's just a pleasure to be here with you, Neil. Yeah, it's nice to be able to do some study here. I liked your suggestion of going through Genesis 22 during the season of Lent and making those very important comparisons to the testing that God had of Abraham, as well as the testing of our own faith, and in comparison to the tests that our Lord and Savior went through as well. So I think that's a very timely suggestion. I'm looking forward to going through this with you. Uh, as far as the background and context of this goes, I know we're kind of looking at it in three different sections of Genesis 22, so if our listeners are able to open Genesis 22, that will definitely be helpful, but we're going to kind of go through this in three different sections. So, Ben, can you give us a little bit of the background, a little bit of what's going on here, how we got to this point in Genesis 22? Yeah, sure. So, basically, I think everyone's going to be pretty familiar with this chapter of Genesis. This is the chapter where Abraham offers up Isaac as a sacrifice. And kind of some important background information to know, I guess, about this. Just kind of the uh, where the, the life was of Abraham and, uh, and Isaac, I guess. Because, you know, all throughout Abraham's life, basically, he had been listening to God. God told him to move, to get up to go to a land he didn't know and Abraham did that and then God said I'm going to bless you there's this recurring theme throughout you know the chapters of Abraham in Genesis of God saying I am going to bless you I'm going to make you a great nation through you all the na- all the world will be blessed you know your he he says your descendants will be like that of the seashore or like the stars in the sky and the whole fulfillment of that promise was Isaac. And that, so, so go ahead. That, no, I was just, just going to jump in there. Yeah. I, I, that's a tough promise to hear because, you know, they're elderly at this point and they have no kids. Mm-hmm. So that they would have a – so that's, that's kind of the first point you were – suggesting this is that let's look at how God was testing Abraham here. I I like that you're really honing in on that already. Yeah, and kind of, you know, some the reason why I think, Neil, I I wanted to do this podcast with you is because I've been going through this Bible class that you and Joe did at Mankato, and uh, it's dealing with Genesis. And if you look at Abraham's life, you know, Abraham is this huge figure in Christianity, basically in religion, you know, in Judaism, even in Islam. And basically, it's because he's so righteous. He has a really, he does really good things, as we'll see in Genesis 22. Genesis 22 is really like the highlight, I guess, of Abraham's faith. But he was a man, and he tried to help that promise along, you know, with, and there was some terrible fallout because of that. You had the whole Hagar and Ishmael thing, and God says, no, I'm going to do this through you and Sarah, even though you're old, you're way past, you know, childbirth years, 
and I'm going to give you to a son, and he does. And then in this chapter, he says, "Go kill that son." So it's a it's a really kind of interesting. Uh, if you read through Genesis, this is like a really interesting, you know, climax here of the life of Abraham. Did you want to read through some of those? Do you yeah, want to read through the? Sure. Do you want to read through the first two verses there, Genesis sure. twenty-two? So yeah, I'll just I'll read these verses and then uh, kind of just give me your take, and then uh, maybe we'll kind of just talk about that for. A little bit. Uh, Genesis 22, verses 1 through 2. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here am I. He said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land Moriah, and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Yeah, that's, as you mentioned, it's 25 years after God had first promised a son, mm-hmm. and now he's saying, now go offer him as a, as an offering. You know, you ever, you ever stop and think, what does the Bible not say? You know, Abraham did not say, uh, come again? What did you just, what? Uh-huh. What did you just ask me to you said my son. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you don't see you don't see that kind of reaction. Was that going into his mind, his heart? We don't know, but um, that's a pretty intense command. Yeah, right. And it, that is interesting. You don't. Yeah, what what the Bible doesn't say here. You know, if you just just the dialogue itself is interesting because you don't have Abraham's mind going. Wait, what? What do you want me to do? Want me to kill Isaac? And. But I think the commentary, though, is, uh, and the English really brings this out in the verse, in the first verse there, that he says, after these things, God tested Abraham. And really that word, test and tempt, there's not much different in, difference in the original language. But in the English, there's a, there's a big difference between a test, testing and attempting. Can you kind of tell yeah. us what the difference is from God's point of view of testing and tempting when it comes to Christians? Sure. I, I like that we're asking each other questions and trying to challenge each other. This is good. Um, whenever I think of testing, I always think of a, a teacher. You know, Jesus is called Rabboni, which means, means teacher. And every time Jesus tests someone, whether it be his disciples, you know, like the feeding of the 5,000, or, you know, he had those examples where he tests them because he wants to test their faith, not because he wants them to fail, but he wants them to succeed. He wants them to trust in him that, yeah, the Lord can provide for him. Whereas Satan always tempts. He always tempts. In this. Tempting has the idea as seeking failure. That's why you can't use it as a, a, a good teacher doesn't tempt his students because he wants them to fail. He tests his students frequently because he wants them to succeed. And in my catechism class, I think doesn't care for the fact that I test them every single week, mm-hmm. but that's because I want them to remember. I want them to succeed. And I think we see throughout the Psalms that the Lord wants us to remember, wants us to recall how he's been there in the past. And so uh, he tests us. He tests us today. He tests us right now. He tex- tests our nation. He te- tests the world to see if they are seeking after the one true God, if they're still groping for him because he's not far from each one of us. Yeah. And I think <laughs> the, the, there isn't a lot of difference, I think, between, in, from our point of view at least, there's a huge difference, but from our point of view, a test and, and a testing from the Lord and attempting from Satan can look kind of similar. Yeah. 
Yeah, I totally agree. uh, But we know from the Bible that God does not tempt us. Let no one say, you know, uh, God tempts me. God tempts no one. That's what the Bible tells us, and that's certainly true. And the reason... Satan tempts us to try to get us to fall away. God tests us to strengthen our faith in him. And here it's just a it's a great testament to that because why is this a temptation? Well, obviously or a testing rather from the Lord is that obviously you don't want to kill your son. And uh you know just all the the promise, the messianic promises of who the son was and who would come from him. This had to be, you know, a really big deal. Like, I think for us, we, we, we read these words, but I think put yourself in Abraham's shoe there and say, and God tells you, hey, sacrifice your son. I think you're right. I think the perspective of this testing of Abraham was we are given full confidence from what the Lord reveals to us that Abraham viewed it as a test because like you mentioned earlier God's promise of the descendant who would bless the entire world Abraham and Sarah I believe understood what that promise was and so this test was okay if I kill my son if I sacrifice my son I should say then Will God be able to keep that promise of a savior for us? So it was, it was not just a test of uh, emotional clinging, but it's spiritual clinging to the Lord's promises. And so, you know, I, if we go into the next section, if you're ready to do that, we do see how Abraham's response to this test. Do you want to read that next section? Unless you yeah, have more comments I, on that. Yeah, just kind of to, to end that section. I just, I really, I like how God kind of calls it out there in, in verse two. He says. Now take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love. It's just kind of uh, interesting to me. And he, Isaac, of course, wasn't his only son. He, you know, there he already had Ishmael, but he was the only son that mattered, you know, spiritually. And, as far as the covenant, as far as the covenant promise goes, yeah. Right, right, and so that was his heir. That was, you know, through the covenant promise, how God was gonna you know, bless the nations of the world through Abraham. He says, hey, take that precious son that I gave you, you know, and go and and sacrifice him. And that's just, uh, yeah, I think, and he also points out the fact that that son whom you love and all of that, you know, it's it just points ahead to, to Jesus and his relationship with his father too. And you, that is just mirrored all throughout this section. And, uh, yeah, we, 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 can, uh, well, we can get into that, too. Well, I'm glad you brought up that point because it reminds me, I, th- I believe three times in the New Testament you have the Father actually speaking from heaven, uh, you know, over Jesus. You know, you have the the bath. You can help me out with this if I forget some, but you have the baptism of Jesus where God speaks from heaven. Uh, this is my begotten Son whom I'm lo- I love. Hear him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have the transfiguration where he basically says the same thing. This is my son uh, whom I love. So it's very similar, like you said, to what God tells Abraham. You know, I know this is your son, your only son whom I love. And I think the other time would be when Jesus prays that he would glorify his father's name. And I think God, the father says from heaven, I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. Also, again, pointing to that sacrifice. So I think that's an excellent point you bring up there 
Am I missing any? That's the no. that's the three I remember. Yeah, that, yeah, those, that's what sticks out in my mind too. Yeah, it's just hear him. This is my beloved son. Hear him, and yeah, God loved his son, his only, and that that only son. It really reflects the you know only begotten Son of God. It's not the same. It's not. I don't. I don't believe it's monogenes. I, I was just looking at it. You know that that important term. But it's still the same concept. Jesus was the only son of God whom God loved. And same thing with Abraham and Isaac here. And just, uh, yeah, the, the Isaac and Jesus are just, uh, you can you can almost substitute them, you know, uh, in uh, in this chapter because it's it, that's how close this parallels the passion of Christ. And it's just an awesome picture. Yeah, it is. Keep going. All right, so let's go through uh, verses 3 through 8. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and split the wood for the burned offering and rose and went to the place of which God had told them. And on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young man, Stay here with the donkey the lad and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. Why don't we just stop there? That's not the whole section, but uh, there's a lot to unpack in just those three verses. Can you kind of start unpacking some of that? Well, the first thing that struck me again, it's interesting how every time you read a section uh, fresh, something else the Lord kind of pops out to you. I was just thinking of Abraham's nephew, Lot, just a few chapters earlier, when the Lord tells him, get out of Sodom and Gomorrah. And he's kind of like dawdling around, just taking his time, and the angels that the Lord sent to him to tell him, get out of here, it's going to be destroyed. And he's just kind of packing slowly, it seems like. He's not really in a hurry, and finally, basically drag him out of there. And You don't see any kind of indication like this with Abraham. You know, it might as well say, the very first thing the next morning when the sun came up, Abraham was on his way. Mm-hmm. That's and It doesn't say that, but it, that's certainly implied. It's like he didn't just kind of wait around. It's just like he's on his way. You know, kind of what I was wondering is maybe the reason he got up so early was so that Sarah didn't catch wind of this, perhaps. Because yeah, if, if the wife finds out, wait, what are you, where are you going? What are you doing? Maybe she, she'd be like, that's not what God like God would never tell you to do that Abraham like you're crazy and uh, and obviously Isaac meant a lot to his mother too but what God says trumps how we you know we feel about anything like like what Jesus said he who loves a father or mother more than me is not worthy of me and this is just the, the prime example of that in this uh, this chapter. I've kind of wondered about that, too. I've heard that suggestion before. Okay, did, does Sarah not know that they left together? He had to tell her something. I mean, he's not going to just take off for a few days. I mean, if you you're, you said on the third day, mm-hmm. they traveled three days. He's got to tell them that we're going to sacrifice at least. But yeah. I've kind of been thinking about that more since we went through the study. I, I wonder... In the previous test, the waiting for Isaac for 25 years, Sarah was definitely included in that test from the Lord. So I'm not disagreeing with you at all, Ben. I'm just I'm wondering if God wouldn't have placed this same test on Sarah as well, that Abraham could have very simply told her, this is what the Lord commanded me to do last night. Yeah. You know, it's she could have been terrified, like, 
what does the Lord ask of us now? Mm-hmm. We don't know her attitude again, and it's hard to. But it, regardless, whatever communication happened, I agree with you that this is an extreme test for her too. Yep. And knowing, okay, whether or not she knew that he was going to sacrifice Isaac or not, it didn't seem like they kept a whole lot of secrets from each other. That would be for a future generation or two that they did that. <laughs> yeah, like you said too. Yeah, there's a lot we can't don't know for sure. You kind of gotta read between the lines. We don't really know if Sarah knew the full, you know, the full picture or if she didn't. But either way, you know, Abraham kind of Abraham could tell his wife, "I'm gonna take Isaac and we're gonna go have a sacrifice. God commanded it, and we'll be back." You know, and uh, he wouldn't he wouldn't have been lying at all. He wouldn't have right. been necessarily telling the full truth. But I mean, we can't we don't know what happened. So whether or not Sarah knew kind of doesn't really matter. But what's interesting to me, Neil, here is kind of the other details here. He takes two servants with him. So I think kind of that you know, with out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let it be established. So there is multiple witnesses to this event besides just Abraham and Isaac. And he takes the wood and and he he for the burnt offering and his son and he goes to the place. The third day he he lifts his eyes and sees the place. So obviously you have little little kind of pictures here. You have a a donkey uh like you know, kind of like Jesus riding into Jerusalem. Uh, you have the the this event happening on the third day, which kind of doesn't mirror exactly the same picture, I guess, unless you want to take it inversely uh, of uh, Jesus and then the third day rising again from the dead. But uh, yeah, just it's just hard to hard to not see the 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 reflections, isn't it? Yeah, the, the par- there's definitely parallels, and mm-hmm. it makes sense too because we're commented in Hebrews 11 of Abraham, in some ways being that uh, type of Christ. You know that uh, not that Abraham was itself, but you know Abraham by faith, you know, in offering up his son Isaac, you know, was willing to put his love for God before his love for his son, like you mentioned a little bit ago. Yeah, and. And what Abraham says to the servants there, too, is just, you know, it doesn't seem that remarkable, but I think it it really, it, it shines a light on Abraham's faith when he says to his servants, stay here with the donkey, the lad and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. So, Abraham knew he had to go kill his son, but yet he tells his servants, we're, we're going to go over there and we're both coming back. Yeah, there's a whole element of faith there, isn't it? Oh yeah, definitely. Just uh, it's crazy, and you know, Abraham knew that whatever happened by faith, Abraham knew this. Isaac was not going to die. Isaac would be resurrected. It, if Abraham, if if he did go through with the sacrifice, God would resurrect his son. And by faith, Abraham knew that. He knew it to be true. It's just. That is that is the faith that is a mustard seed that can move mountains because that is just incredible, you know. Having that 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 amount of trust that the Lord would, you know, whatever happened, the Lord <laughs> the Lord would be good and uh, yeah, just a crazy amount of faith there. So we unpacked that little section there, and Abraham and Isaac have now unpacked, and if the Lord 
had revealed the spot that they were going to go make the sacrifice. Do you want to continue reading there? Sure. So let's go through uh, the next couple of verses. <clears throat> and Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they both of them to- they went both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, My father. And he said, Here am I, my son. He said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they, so they went both of them together. What do you got? <laughs> well, I think we've already kind of talked about uh, Abraham's faith and that he definitely was knowing what he was going to do in his mind. It's interesting, you know, as we go into the next couple of verses here, there had to have been some kind of communication that, okay, you are going to be that offering, Isaac. Mm-hmm. Because Isaac is old enough at this point to have seen his father make sacrifices before, clearly, because he says, okay, I know what we're doing here, Dad. We've done this before. Where's the lamb? Where's our sacrifice before the Lord? And so Abraham's kind of leading him up to this, and Isaac's questioning, where's this sacrifice? And it's interesting when you parallel that to the, the Jewish people throughout the Old Testament history. Where's our sacrifice? Where's the Messiah? You know, Abraham was tested with that same thing. Uh, Eve, Adam and Eve were tested with that same thing. Is this now the Messiah? Turned out it was not when they had gave birth to Cain. And, you know, throughout those thousands of years, basically everyone's saying, where's this Messiah? And the same thing you have today, where now that Jesus has come, we're waiting for our Messiah to return and take us out of this sin-filled world full of all kinds of problems and diseases and disasters and we're looking for him again yeah and so i uh, you know to this point here specifically isaac knows better as far as what they need and it, it seems to be missing and the world around us too i believe knows that there's a need and without christ that sacrifice for sin is missing and we end up trying to take it on ourselves I know I kind of went a little bit more into application there but uh, I don't blame you it's hard it's hard to not have direct application from this chapter to like you said uh, you know active and passive obedience uh, atonement there's all kinds of doctrines that are pictured here i think the point that you kind of started with is interesting too in my mind's eye when i read this section neil i think of abraham and isaac and like abraham kind of like this uh you know he's old but he's he seems pretty vital you know you can still get around and then isaac is like this little little child but probably what was much more the case is abraham's very old And Isaac is probably a young man, like, perhaps in his 20s, you know, like, in the prime of his life. And I think that goes to show you, I I think, you know, Isaac here is kind of like the old man's having a moment, right? Dad, look, here's all the stuff for the, the sacrifice. We have the fire, we have the wood. Where's did you forget the the lamb you know and abraham was older you know but he didn't he didn't forget it was very deliberate you know he probably had been thinking of nothing else since he left 
you know, for those three days, just uh, I gotta sacrifice my son. You know, it's probably that's significant. Yeah, that's significant that it's three days. Also, oh, yeah. it's how many times if it was you or me in those three days would we be tempted to turn around and be like, I'm not doing this. Yeah. But there's you never see it uh, a fading resolve. No. It's always just that they're on their way. They're going. Right. This, and, is what we're, this is what we're doing. And throughout, you know, and something else to look at too. Abraham takes the wood for the burnt offering and lays it on Isaac. So Isaac is carrying the wood, you know, for his own sacrifice. Right. <laughs> now that is just like what we see with Jesus carrying his own cross. It's just it's just so remarkable. And uh yeah, and I think what Abraham says to him ultimately on his explanation is it's just incredible too when you it it looks ordinary, but it's incredible when you look at it through the scope of faith there and and you know the fulfillment of that faith which is Jesus when he says God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering my son God will provide for himself the lamb and isn't that true you know God provided for himself our sacrifice that paid for our sin and it it had to be it had to be a sacrifice there had to be blood and that's a very important part here too and you know there had to be a sacrifice Isaac had to die except he had Jesus and uh yeah so do we I think we should keep going alright do you want to uh, take these next verses Neil sure uh, I'm going to read out the New American Standard version here okay. and you want to do 9 through 14 yeah is, is that okay sure alright Then they came to the place of which God had told him, and Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood and bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. And he said, Do not stretch out your hand against the lad and do nothing to him, for now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Then Abraham raised his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the place of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it will be provided. Why don't you go ahead and share your thoughts first? (laughs) Well, okay, a few things there. So they get this all figured out. They they uh, they get the the sacrifice ready. And like I said, Isaac's got to know what's going on here. He wasn't dumb. He'd seen this happen, you know, many many times throughout his life. What the sacrifice meant, and yet he was still on the top of that on the top of that wood. And I think kind of another important important thing there is that descriptive term in, in chapter 10. I think you said your translation had to slay. Uh, then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. And I think that's just uh, such a visual image there, too. Of And it, it depicts, you know, what Jesus went through, that he was slaughtered like a lamb 
you know, going to uh, be sacrificed. And uh, yeah, that's what our that's the payment that our sin our sins took. I, I like that you use that reference uh, as the lamb before the shear is silent or before the slaughter. Yeah. You know, you get that idea here too. Is that we're not given any indication that Isaac fought back. You know, that's why I think verse nine is so powerful. And Abraham built an altar there. He bound his, Isaac, his son, laid him on the altar upon the wood. There's nothing in there about Isaac fighting back. And, and that's mm-hmm. exactly what we see with the Lord. He went willingly. He went. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what I believe here, and again, this might be a little bit, some might believe this is a little bit of conjecture, is that Isaac really sh- shared the same faith that Abraham did too. Mm-hmm. And that, yeah, if, if God wants you to sacrifice me, fine, I'll be that sacrifice. Some might say, well, he had to bound him up. Well, that's because we would naturally re- react and flinch if someone's plunging a knife at us. You yeah. know, so that's part of it there, yep. too, you know, mm-hmm. is that there's nothing in here that would suggest that Isaac was unwilling to be that sacrifice. And not that we're trying to heap all the, the blessing of this on Abraham or Isaac, but it's really a blessing from the Holy Spirit that's worked the faith in these two men, an old man and a younger man. And that that willingness to be that sacrifice, just like you said, is 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 minimal compared to the willingness that Jesus did as he went before Pilate mm-hmm. and the chaos. You know, silent. He was go. He knew what was going to happen. There was no reason to retaliate. He knew that he was going to be sacrificed, and he was doing that out of love for obeying his Father in heaven, that his name would be glorified. He was doing that out of his love for you for you and me you know because just like Isaac was doing this out of love for his God and for his father he was being obedient to them it's a pretty amazing parallel right and like you said you don't know for sure Isaac's mindset but I'm pretty sure he could have overcame his old man (laughs) because like I think Abraham was about 100 when Isaac was born like give or take yeah probably 110 115 something like that yeah so you're talking about a huge age difference here. If Isaac wanted to, he probably could have gotten out of that. But that doesn't really that does not really matter when you can that that's nothing compared to Jesus. Jesus yeah. could have gotten out of the crucifixion. Like yeah, in the garden when they're looking for him, yeah. I am he, and they all fall over. Exactly. That huge multitude of armed guards. Like you're not taking me if I don't want to go. Yeah, and and he, I mean, he predicted it too. You know, he said, "Hey, they're gonna kill me." You know, he knew it was gonna happen, and he said, "I'm gonna rise again." And the disciples couldn't understand, you know, what what, what he was talking about. And he, yeah, he could have even when he was on the cross, he could have gotten off. It was a temptation even for him because the, you know, they were jeering, oh, he saved others, he can't save himself. And then, you know, the thief on the, the, not the thief on the cross, but the other guy, hey, listen to those guys. If you are this Messiah, why don't you save us and yourself and take us off these crosses, you know? Jesus could have gotten off of the altar. But how then else would the scriptures be fulfilled, you know? And he, he, was yeah. he will, did he want to suffer and die was that something he desired no absolutely not he prayed fervently in the garden father if you could take this cup away from me do it you know (laughs) this is causing me insane amount of stress but not as i will but your will be done you know that willingness of jesus and isaac here is just that is remarkable yeah 
Yeah, it was the full cup that Jesus was about to. When we talk about this during Lent. It wasn't just the cup of the crucifixion. That would be horrific enough. It wasn't just the cup of taking all on all of our sins, but it's that cup, the full cup of God's wrath, which is ultimately that forsakenness and that separation, which, which I believe is the worst part of hell. Mm. It's ultimate forsakenness by God, and that's that forsakenness between the Father and the Son that Jesus endured hell itself on the cross out of his love for you and me, you know, and that mm-hmm. it's just a, willingly going to, knowing that that was going to happen, he was going to willingly do that anyway, so like you said earlier, it really kind of blows this whole event between Abraham and Isaac out of the water yeah. when, you stop and, when you stop and think about it. But Direct I mean, parallels. Yeah, Direct exactly, parallels. exactly, and the whole point of that is the Lord is good, and here we have direct intercession you know right before Abraham is about to do he's gonna he's willing to do it he's going to slaughter his son but the angel of the Lord called to him and said don't do it do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him for now I know that you fear God seeing that you have not withheld your son your only son from me if if you don't mind getting pictures in your in your brain of this event you know you could just google abraham offering up isaac and there's all kinds of pictures and Mm -hmm. some of them you might like or not like based on this account but even though it doesn't say this i kind of like the ones where the angel of the lord is literally stopping abraham's hand Mm -hmm. coming down with the knife you know and i i like that image because it's like he was doing it he was in the process he had taken the knife he was ready to put it you know he was in the process of doing it and the lord interrupts it as he's as he's basically going through it um it's pretty amazing when you stop to think about it so there's no question that it was going to happen some people say well he wasn't really going to do it but yeah. no he was he was in the process of it yeah kind of what jumped into my mind i guess i don't know if i watched too many movies or something but when you were describing that i kind of picture it like as a movie and you could see like you know, a really close-up shot of, like, Abraham with the knife in his hand, and then the the hand comes down, you know, and then it just, and then all of a sudden it stops, like, right before the knife is at the artery, you know, just, like, perfectly still with, like, the angel of the Lord's hand on Abraham restricting him from doing that. Because, yeah, he was willing to do it. He was going to do it. But the Lord, the angel of the Lord, who is... And he calls him. He is the Lord. Um, he stops that from happening. And if you picture that as the, I know we talked, we talked uh, kind of, you know, off. We've done some podcasts on this before. I thought yeah, on the topic of the angel of the Lord. But I think what it's generally considered is it is the Lord, and most people assume that the angel of the Lord is Jesus. Yeah, okay, incarnate. Yep. So if that is Jesus, like the specific second person of the Trinity doing that stopping that sacrifice from happening how does he why does he stop it because he himself would go through that you know and he would do that and uh you know abraham looks and all of a sudden there's a ram caught in the in the in some thorns which you know some people might look at as coincidence but obviously not you know that was very specific and instead he offered that up as a burnt offering and he called the place the lord will provide because that's where the lord provided and uh yeah just just crazy the whole scapegoat of uh, leviticus 19 the day of atonement you know the whole um substitutionary 
sacrifice, uh, the propitiation we read about, you know, that, that ho- the whole idea of the mercy seat of God is now saying, you don't need to do this, Abraham. Like you were, you were talking about this. I'm going to do it for you. Mm-hmm. And it, I, it, ultimately, you can see the Lord just being, you know, I would say joyful that Abraham was willing to put his trust in the Lord in this way, you know, and, and, and that kind of response, I, I just kind of think of that in the sense of how does the Lord, is he pleased when we have that same kind of faith and that it's that kind of faith. I mean, he, what he was willing to do for us, not because of the faith, I'm not saying that, but mm-hmm. he, he loves our praise. He loves our love in the sense of, he wants us to love him the same way that he's loved us, and he's trying to demonstrate that love to us. And Abraham demonstrates to the Lord, to the angel of the Lord, to God, just how much he loves him here. Yeah, and I think another important thing you know, with this whole section to keep in mind, too, is that it seems like a really drastic step. Obviously, it was, you know, God tested the faith of Abraham, and this was an extreme test, right? Like, I kind of asked myself, would I be willing to to kill my son you know like would i be able to cut my son's throat if god told me to and but the fact of the matter is he is yeah sorry go ahead oh i was just gonna say he doesn't he hasn't asked you to do that yeah he doesn't ask yeah. us to do that and but we deserve it you know we does we isaac deserved to be to be killed on account of his sins i deserve to be on an altar and having my throat slit because of my sins. I deserve to be slaughtered. But well, it's interesting how the other world religions also make a point of that. And you, know, you think of like in Old Testament times, you have them offering their sons to Molech. You know? yeah. so they, it's like they knew this account of Abraham, and then they take it to this other level. Yeah. You know, the gods of this world demand that kind of sacrifice, and basically this this whole account of Abraham says, no, I'm not going to have you do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the sacrifices of a broken heart and a broken spirit, these I will not despise, you know? And so mm-hmm. ultimately the Lord wants our hearts to be towards him, not, um, not having to make some kind of monumental offering. Cause basically the Lord is telling Abraham, this is what I'm going to do for you. Right. Yeah, and what what did Jesus say? That he is a God of he desires mercy, not sacrifice, right? And yeah. and that's just it's abundantly clear here too. Yeah, like you said, they, maybe other false religions got an idea of human sacrifice from this as like a testament of this is how serious I am to my God, and if I do this great thing and I you know sacrifice my child, which is just terrible, then this God will bless me and give me all the earthly things that I need. But that is just such a perversion of this because that's not what's going on here. God stopped it, right? The Lord himself provided. And the reason why Isaac didn't die, didn't have to die, it wasn't just because the promise of the Messiah was going to come through him. It was because of that Messiah that stopped it himself. And uh, it's just, yeah, just, (laughs) it's, it's that with the Lenten picture in mind here, why does Isaac get spared? Because Jesus doesn't. You know, God shows us how much he loves us by offering his only begotten son, you know, 
full of grace and truth, and offers him on wood as a sacrifice, just like Isaac here. God was able to stop this from go- from actually happening because God himself would not stop when it came to Jesus on the cross. So, as we kind of wrap up here, what are the applications to us? I mean, we can see clearly the parallels between Abraham and Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, Abraham the father, Isaac and Christ, you know, so many here. It's so amazing. What is the parallels with, we talked about the testing of Abraham, we talked about the testing of Jesus and what he went through. Um, how about our testing? Kind of to talk, to get to, I guess, a point I want to get to when it comes to the application of this section. I like to read from Hebrews 11, which kind of explains this section. It, it talks about, you know, the heroes of faith, and it talks about Abraham, but specifically it says in verse 17, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up at Isaac, and he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son of whom it was said, in Isaac your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. So I guess kind of the application that I would like to point to in this section is faith. Like you said there, Neil, this was a great, it was a great test of faith from Abraham. But at the same time, Abraham wasn't righteous because of this. Rather, he was righteous because of his faith. He had this great faith in Jesus, in the Lord, and because of that faith, it was accounted to him for righteousness. And I think kind of what what I asked and what you asked is kind of the same thing. Like, would I be willing to offer up my son like this? Is this great show of faith, is this something that I could do? And the answer to that question is yes, because it is the exact same faith. It is the same faith that is rooted in Jesus Christ as our God and Lord. And yeah, this was a great, you know, a great testament to Abraham's faith, but that ultimately points to Jesus too, right? He trusted that Jesus, that the Lord would deliver him from the situation, even if, like worst thing happened, even if he did kill Isaac, Abraham knew by faith, that that would not be the end, that God would raise him up in some point, some way, shape, or form, because God doesn't contradict himself. You know, and that, like kind of what you said there, Neil, too, is God wouldn't ask us to sacrifice our children, and that's probably exactly what Abraham and Sarah thought, too. God wouldn't do this. Why would he ask this of me? And so you kind of, he thinks, like, is God contradicting himself here? And then you remember, no, God never does that. So... What is he doing? You know, I guess I gotta, I'm going to go and I'm going to do it because God is faithful and he doesn't contradict himself. And I think that's kind of something that maybe, you know, we could we might struggle with too at times. It's like if you have a problem that you find in the Bible and you're like, wait, is this what's going on here? I don't my brain can't understand this or even in life, you know, like a, a hard situation. My brain cannot fathom why this is happening to me. Go back to the word. Go back to the promises of the Lord. He is faithful. He does not contradict himself. He will surely bless you. And uh, case in point, look at Genesis 22. Yeah, he's, if we can look at it from the perspective of him testing us, mm-hmm. 
I think most of our problems is that we're too short-sighted on what's actually happening in front of us. And ultimately, if you look back on your life, you can see not so short-sightedness of what was happening at the time, but how God used that test to further your faith, to help you to trust and rely on him more, and to ultimately have a stronger faith for the future for whatever test he brings you so that he keeps you faithful until the point of death mm-hmm. where he can give us that crown of eternal life. So I, I enjoy, you know, during the season of Lent to be able to look at sections like this that might not seem directly related to the passion of our Savior. You know, we're talking about the passion of Abraham or the passion of Isaac that they had for the Lord. And ultimately it dwarfs compared to the passion of God, our Savior, who was willing to suffer hell, who was willing to suffer that death, who was willing to suffer God forsakenness for our eternal joy and salvation. I think it's a very powerful lesson we can learn here. Mm-hmm. I think, I can't remember the quote exactly, but Luther said something on, on this chapter that like, even if you were to take all of the Old Testament away and leave Genesis 22, he would still be blessed, you know, through that, like, and it, it really is like crystallizing gospel here, you know, that this is what, that is what God went through. If people say there's no gospel in the Old Testament, look at this section, man, like, this is, this is such a picture of what Jesus would do, and, you know, of course, we are blessed through Abraham because Jesus did come through him, and through Isaac, too, and, uh, yeah, God... This was such a dramatic thing, and God delivered Abraham from it. And it was such a dramatic thing that Jesus went through, and God wouldn't deliver him from that, because that was the price it took. It took the slaughtering of Jesus to make us washed in the blood of the Lamb. And all praise and thanks be to his name that he was willing to go through that for me and you, and that we never have to. Amen to that. Hey, thank you for... uh doing this study and this discussion today with me. I really appreciate it. Um, might be fitting to close with a prayer. Sure. You want to lead us? Sure. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for teaching us once again about the faith that Abraham and Isaac had in you and in your promises. Thank you for working the Holy Spirit in our heart to recognize that wonderful parallel between their relationship and the relationship between the Father and the Son. We ask that you continue to bless us as we see this divine relationship and how it worked out our salvation and how we can grow in our confidence in that salvation plan for us, no matter what tests or trials we face in our day-to-day life. Sufficient for today is its own trouble, Lord, so help us not to worry but to recognize that you are in control of all things and that nothing happens apart from your will. Bless us during the season of Lent as we focus on your passion. Help strengthen our passion for you in putting you above everything else in our lives and continue to prioritize our day-to-day life accordingly. Lord Jesus, bless us and our families, our nation, and the world over so that they would all be able to hear your gospel, and praise your holy, saving name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.
Thank you all for listening today at this Burden Blessing Bible Study on Genesis 22. Continue to look for future podcasts. Blessings to you all, and the Lord is with you. We hope that you will join us again next week for another episode of Burden and Blessing Podcast as we continue to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Until next time, take confidence in your Savior's promise that he will always be with you, even 